Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Grace. Welcome to Triumph, the podcast, where we chat about all things swim, bike, run, in the lead up to our first Ironman. Whether you're a triathlon newbie, old-timer, or you simply enjoy listening to the trials and tribulations of two aspiring Ironwomen, we bring you all the oomph you never knew you needed. Should we start? Yes. Hello. Hi. You look very relaxed. That's because I'm on holiday. I'm in a relaxy taxi. I thought actually we should probably always start by giving people a little reminder of how many weeks to the Ironman. You tell people and I'll put my fingers in my ears. Okay, go. <laughs> the only problem with this is I get very confused. I think my, my app says it's nine weeks to go. But then it will switch on a Monday, it will be eight weeks. So I don't know for the purposes of the podcast, you appear to have taken your fingers out of your ears. <laughs> I need to wipe away the tears. I, I think because we're episode four, I think I'm going to say nine weeks. And we'll go from there. And when we get to the last episode and I go, it's two weeks to go, everyone, and it's only a week, then we can all realise that I got it wrong. We're going to have another theme this week because it went down well with our listeners. So we thought the theme should be just fails, really. It's a good yeah. opportunity for you to just take the mickey out for me, isn't it? When would I do that? I've got two questions from last week from listeners. Okay. What are aero bars? <laughs> Apart from bubbly Nestle delights. Would you like to answer? Yeah, so aero bars, also called tri bars, I think they're pretty much the same thing. Oh, you having a little rum and coke there? <laughs> Yeah, that's why I got you to answer the question. Oh, okay. Aero bars kind of go in the middle and they extend out beyond the handlebars. And the purpose of them is that you can take a lot of the weight out of your upper body by just being able to relax on them. You literally kind of rest your forearms onto them because you'll have used your arms quite a bit during the swim. And it also obviously makes you very aerodynamic. Have you ordered yours now? No. I've got some on order. <gasps> have you? Yeah, did, did you not? get that from my instagram post i've seen your chocolate aero bars it's my birthday present but because they're not here yet nobby gave me two chocolate aero bars oh that's very good isn't that exciting well as you know i'm in the process of potentially buying a new bike not next week but the following week i will determine whether i really am going to be able to get a new bike or not so that's what's held that up Right. Yeah, you make a good point. That is why mine aren't here and fitted to Homelander yet, because the lovely chaps and chapesses at Primera are investigating with Oro, who made my bike, mm -hmm. uh, which are the best ones to put on him. It'd be good if your bike was actually called Oreo, because then it'd be a chocolate biscuit wonder bar. <laughs> <laughs> it is just a Coca-Cola, but it, I like to drink from crystal, what do you call it, cup? Glass? Cut glass, yeah. Cut glass, like, off of the 70s. Yeah. Gosh, well, there, there's um, a satellite delay between me asking you if that's a rum and coke and you answering the question, isn't there? <laughs> the second question from our listeners is, what is a brick session? I'm going to let you answer that one. Although, can, uh, I just, can I just add in that um, one alternative answer to the brick session is that when you realise you're eight weeks away from an Ironman, you have a little bit of a bricking it session. <laughs> Uh, so a brick session is when you do a cycle ride and you get off the bike and go straight into a run to get the feeling of race day. And in our case, straight into a marathon. Not mm -hmm. the chocolate bar. Flashback to the 80s. What do you need to do between getting off the bike and getting into the run? 
that depends whether you're a proper triathlete or if you're me. I had a brick session today. I come home, I put Homelander inside my flat so he doesn't get stolen. I always have a trip to the loo. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pepper Army. Mm-hmm. Swig him a drink. You have to take off your cleat shoes and put on yes, the trainers. Yes, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> so at some point I'll do that. And actually I switched my socks because they really weren't appropriate for running, but they were my cycle socks. You hear about people doing the run with no socks, or in fact the whole triathlon with no socks, which I have been thinking about, but I've decided I'm going to stick with socks. I think I'm going to go for socks because I've been wearing those nice expensive socks that have left and right on them. I believe they're made somehow to sort of compress your feet in the right places and allow them to breathe in the right places. And I'm very comfortable of foot. If you, if you can't breathe in the right place when you've got your socks on, you've probably pulled them up too high, I'm just going to say. <laughs> so just to finish this, the answer to this question. Yes. Um, the listener, my dear, dear friend, Elliot. Ah, Michelin. Michelin. He will finally make it into the podcast and I think then he will be a regular feature. He asked why it's called Brick. I remember researching this and not really coming up with a satisfactory answer. The one that most people stump for was that your legs are so tired after the bike ride that when you start to run, they feel like (laughs) bricks. No, I think it's just like a merging of the word bike and run, but a pretty lazy one. I think you need to Google it. Our commitments that we made last week. Now yours was... You were going to do what you could. Yeah, I've done that. It's, oh, it's been so nice. I did, um, I've been, because I'm on holiday, I've had a beach to run on. In the gym, I went on the gym bike, which was fun. I had a saddle the size that it could fit an entire family on. <laughs> um, I've done no strength and conditioning. I don't have a bike with me, so I couldn't do my long bike ride. And I've just done so much sleeping. It's been so nice. And I've done done quite a lot of, um, well, I think I've done quite a lot of technical work in the pool. It's a small pool, so um, I'm not not swimming the sea. Because there's no point for me. I'm just going to drink salt water and then get upset. I think that sounds wonderful and just what you needed. How about you? Have you got on with your commitments this week? I said that I felt that my strength and conditioning had dropped off the radar and I wanted to do at least one strength session. So I did. I got a bit of the Joe Wicks doms. I got the doms. Mm -hmm. Delayed onset muscle soreness. So I'm suffering with that today, actually. But that makes me think it was absolutely the right thing to do. So done, and I'm going to keep it up. Good. Yeah, it's the, it's the thing that I probably do the least of. Um, it's a fail, just to introduce our topic again. It's a failure of mine. It's a failure of mine. Was it our friend Becky who said to us, nobody does strength and conditioning it's in all the plans but nobody does it yeah I agree I think it's I I think it's the thing that gets ignored the most my problem with strength and conditioning and it's not a kind of I'm a girl and I don't want to put on muscle I just I put on muscle so ridiculously quickly so for work I have to wear pretty much like a uniform if I'm in court of a white shirt or collarettes with wig, the wig and gown are pretty forgiving <laughs> they're not going to mind <laughs> I've popped up a bit but I have quite specific shirts that go with the collarettes and I'm busting the seams of them on the arms on the arms I don't think it's from putting on a colossal amount of weight I think it's from just broadening out I don't mind looking a bit bulkier and muscling up a bit but I do get annoyed with the effect it has on my clothes Look how things have turned. You're worried about your wardrobe. So let's move on then to our fails. Let's start with swim. 
I mean, I think the real <laughs> swim failure story will be told on the 23rd of August <laughs> when I'm still trying to complete the 3.8 kilometres. My most recent swimming failure story is the fact that I bought this book, which I'll show you, Total Immersion by Terry, I'm going to say Laughlin, with John Delves. That's not just what he does, yes? Just on the subject of surnames, Sharon Davies. I've got it recorded, funnily enough. And you clearly say, I'm confident with Sharon Davis. I'm really sorry, Sharon Davis. Right, it's all right, we know now. Okay, John Delves. And the total immersion theory is known, I think, by almost everyone. Have you heard of it? Well, no, I don't know it. It's, I mean, I don't even know if you can really call it a theory of swimming basically anymore. They just, they've just figured out swimming. They've completely changed the way that most athletes, swim, swimmers, approach swimming now. So the whole like being on your side and the rotation, I think I'm right in saying they were the first ones to really get that and turn it into a, a practice. Yeah, started reading it this week. It's actually really quite helpful. I wish I'd read it about a year ago. And just to finish off my swim, I don't think you're going to have any swimming failures. So I feel like I can pretty much take over this segment. I'll kick in when we get to bike. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my other big one recently, and it's not some, I'm actually quite proud of it. I was practicing my sighting as I was going around the West Reservoir the other week. Um, the West Reservoir is buoyed out with a 200 meter course, a 300 meter course, and a 400 meter course. The boys aren't just like those little floaty balloon sized things, but it's like a big orange pyramid the size of a car. You head for that. And I got my fins on. So I was going some. I was coming down the back straight after doing three laps. And I just whack, bang, straight into the the pyramid. But I was so pleased with myself that I'd actually, I was on target. Yeah. (laughs) It didn't hurt. I was just like, yes, check me out. In the lake near me, they have similarly similarly large boys, but they are, they go up, not a triangle. Like a tic-tac. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. But next to each one, they have a fake duck. Have you seen that in places? And I don't know why they do it, but they have one next to each boy. And I swam, the first time I went there, I just thought, oh, that's lovely. It's a little duck. And then I thought, well, he's not very fearful. And then, but then I got to the next boy and thought, oh, oh, it's another one. (laughs) (laughs) Realise, I think these must be fake. I do have one swim fail. It's a time, another time I cried. And when I arrived at the pool and I didn't have my goggles in lockdown and I was so upset and um, I was thinking about it on the bike today, actually. I was thinking, why wouldn't I swim without goggles? I just, I'm not very good. I can't open my eyes under the water. Some people can, can't they? But I can't, I can do it for a bit and then it stresses me out. So it wouldn't have been an enjoyable experience. And I thought I would do it without my hat. Yeah, do it without my hat. And I do it without my earplugs as well. It'd be a bit annoying, but I would do it without my earplugs, but not without my goggles. So I tried to buy some, but it was during lockdown and they said, no, I'm sorry, you can't buy any. And I just sort of cried at the man and I went, oh, no. Can I list some of your other swim failures? Oh, yeah. okay. There was um, getting out of, so Sam's back, she might have something to contribute as well. About my swim failures? No, not yours, mine probably, <laughs> or her own, I don't know. One of my favourite things that you told me recently was that when you were changing lane, you got out of the pool and got back in the pool <laughs> to change lanes. That, was, that was last week. And I just didn't think that was a weird thing until you pointed out. <laughs> it's so stupid. 
Why didn't I just swim under the... Either. My other enjoyable... It's not really much of a failure, but when you were... When you first... Well, one, you didn't know that there was a lake near you, having lived there for, like, nearly, what, 15 years. Yeah. Two, when you did go there, there was only one other man in the lake. And what happened? Yeah, there were a couple of people, but they started to go in. But I did... I swam into this man. So I just found myself sort of pawing at his tummy. And I said, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I've got the whole lake... And I swam into you, but he was really laughing. Mm, I um, bet he was, because you were tickling his tummy. <laughs> <laughs> I just found the sweet spot. Oh, hold on. Sam, Sam wants to contribute a swim fail. I can give you many swim fails. My best swim fail is probably the time when I was in a group swimming thing. And as I was swimming, I could see my HRT pack swim <laughs> ahead of me. <laughs> And it got to the end of the pool before I did. And as I went to try and get it, somebody moved and it went. And I had no idea. And I'm, I'm hoping that there's a man walking around now with a fantastic pair of boobs somewhere. There needs to be something done about HRT practice yeah. and swimming. I don't know what you do about it. Yeah, should they be, are they generally quite sticky? Yeah, they are. They'd withstand most things. Well, they do, except for swimming, obviously, mm. and holidays and stuff like that. So, you know. Well, I think we'll throw that out there. So there must be somebody we can lobby. On a serious note, things like, you know, as, a, as an athlete, which I wouldn't class myself, but if you're an athlete and you've got to an HRT patch and you get hot, then obviously, you know, yeah. whether you're wearing running shorts or whatever, cycling's a nightmare as well, because obviously that part of your leg is moving and you wear them on your hip, generally. Right. So, you know, they, as you get hot, they obviously get less sticky. I should retrospectively introduce, that was Samantha Bussey, my wife and fellow athlete. She she down her athletic achievements but she was a personal trainer for some time so i would totally describe her as an athlete so on to bike i've had many fails how are you going to pick one <laughs> well i've got to tell the isle of wight story so you touched on this early on in the podcast mm-hmm. and you said that you told me that i will fall off at some point because my cleats, I'll forget I've got cleats on or my cleats will get stuck, something like that. And I will have this horrible fall. And I kind of thought to myself, no, I won't. We went cycling around the Isle of Wight. It was a tiny little hill by what looked like a kind of old people's home. And I think it is important to note that... There was a minivan dropping off some old people. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I think it's um, that's an essential part of the story. So that was behind me. I'd, I'd overtaken it. I don't know what you were doing, actually. I seem to remember you just sort of circling at the bottom of this. I had had a, I'd had a gear change fail. It was a very so steep and unexpected hill. So I had the same failure, but I didn't preempt it in the way that you did. So I overtook the van. And then I looked back and I just thought, oh, I, I don't know, Charlotte, like, I hope she's all right. I can't see past the van. I don't know if something's happened to her. Because she's normally, dear listener, she is normally miles ahead of me. So if she's ever behind me, it's a worry. I looked round and in looking round, didn't notice the steep hill in front of me. So didn't change gear and suddenly thought, oh, no, I've got to get up this hill. So I changed gear on the hill. This was on my old bike, Pete, as well. So he wasn't quite as responsive and my chain came off. So my feet just stopped in the the pedals stuck. So I was clipped into the pedals. So I had that that horrible feeling that Charlotte had described of inevitability, I knew I was going to fall off this bike <clears throat> and it was only a matter of when. And I just stayed in the middle of the road until I listed over to the left 
and then tumbled to the ground. So landed on my knees and I think at first I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And Charlotte came up and then I just burst into tears. She mm -hmm. sat me on the side of the road, tried to feed me a protein bar and some water. And I just went, <laughs> it was like hysterical sobbing. Yeah. At which point the mobility van stopped beside me and the driver uh, opened the door and said, is she all right? And Charlotte said, yeah, I think she's fine. Just a bit shaken. And he said, I've got a spare wheelchair in the back if you want it. <laughs> I don't think I laughed, but I think Charlotte laughed politely. And no, I didn't laugh at that point. I laughed when you fell off about a minute later. You see, you'd think it would end there. Um, but I got back on the bike. Still hadn't thought to change gear so that when I took off, I was then, <laughs> there was a lot of resistance and I was still on the steep hill. I think it's critical to note that I did get my cleat in. Oh, but I, <laughs> but I couldn't move my foot. So I then gradually listed to the right. Yeah. Going, oh, no, not really. <laughs> And I fell straight off that side. So that was. And that was when I did do a kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> was, was a tiny little bit of me that was laughing at the just the dark comedy of it all. But you got going again, to your credit. I did. I was very did, sad. completed the Isle of Wight loop. I do have one more, but do you... I've got one that Samantha was actually involved in. Any cycling fanatics will be aware of the singles challenge. I've always wanted to do it, which is to go up, you climb Mont Ventoux. It almost always features in the Tour de France as like an epic climb. You climb up Mont Ventoux, there's three different approaches. If you do all three in 20, within 24 hours, you've completed the singles challenge. Anyway, I was absolutely adamant that Sam and I should do this. And we'd gone out to France for the Easter holidays and I'd said, we can do it, we can do it this week, we can do it this week. Sam had been saying all the way along, look, all, all the guides for this say you shouldn't attempt it outside of, I think, is it April to September? April to September, obviously the longest days oh, gives yeah. you the longest oh, 24 yeah. hours. She's now saying not even April, like May or June. And the weather is better, et cetera, et cetera. It was March. And so we went to go and do a little recce. We went to go and have a little look and we saw this Dutchman coming down on his bike, he's been shaking his head. So we said, Flying Dutchman? No, no, cycling Dutchman. So we said, what, What's it like? He said, Oh, snow on the road. Snow, 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 there's snow on the road. Oh, <laughs> snow on the road. And you thought, Snow problem. Snow problem for me. I get a little bit of snow, it's fine. So I thought, oh, How pretty. So I said to Sam, so there's a little bit of snow, like, that's fine. We'll just, you know, dress up warm, we'll be fine. Anyway, so we set off the next day. We had a number of fails in that we set off a little bit later than we planned to. We got the bikes out of the car. One of our bikes had a puncture, so we had to change the tube there and then in the car park. We then set off. We set off up the Malasen route, and we got quite far along, and then we started to see a little bit of snow. We're going, <laughs> we got to a point where it was just, the snow was about two foot deep on the road. So we just had to get off our bikes and walk. That cost us about an hour. On a descent, my tyre blew. So we had to change another tyre. Got the wrong inner tube so that it didn't fit the bike. Then we had to change the whole tyre because that then blew, I think, because of probably the temperature changes, etc. And effectively, we did not complete it. That was an epic fail, but we are going to do it one day. To something a little bit lighter, something less sort of consequential. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to... I just wanted to raise etiquette on the bike because that's often where I fail. 
um, when you see other cyclists, what's your greeting of choice? A little wave, a little nod, a little nod. One of the sort of up up nods. Chin up, yep. Yeah, or just just a simple hello, I hello. See. This morning I had morning, and then I saw the same guy, and I got morning again. <laughs> <laughs> um, my brother was cycling once. There's a man near him that decides whether you deserve the bell and oh. he says good morning you deserve the bell <laughs> <laughs> what I struggle with is in London it's just it is just a, a nod and it's and not everyone gets the nod not everyone gives the nod it's you know you give it out not in the expectation of getting a nod back you come down to your part of the world and it's a full-on like wave picnic sandwiches are being offered it's very different maybe it's, it is the further west you go because my brother's in devon so then then you get on to bell the bell yeah. report the, the very specific fail i had in this respect was um when i was riding through a little dorset village near me a couple of weeks ago and i saw these two little boys on the side of the road they were with their mum as i went past they both gave me this massive wave um, <laughs> and i just thought oh how lovely i just thought they must have been yeah, they must just have been brought up to wave at cyclists. Or, mm-hmm. And so I gave them a big wave back and I went, hello. And then I went round a corner so I could turn and see behind me. And I think it must have been their dad in a car that was heading towards them to pick them up. And they definitely weren't waving at me. Just very quickly. So it's very important, obviously, to tighten up your cleats on your shoes. And my fail on that front was, so when you twist your foot, your foot comes out of the cleat pedal and you're released and you can put your foot down. Very important, especially in traffic. So my one experience, and it will never happen again, of not having tightened up my cleats was that I twisted my foot. Well, no, the cleat stayed where it was, but my foot was like a now perpendicular. Yeah, okay. So your foot's gone, your foot's twisted. My foot's twisted, but the cleat stayed where it was and fell over in traffic. (laughs) Thankfully, very slow-moving traffic, so it was all right. Oh, dear. Right, let's move on to run fails. I feel like every run I do is a fail, but (laughs) well, I don't think I have any really interesting stories, but it's all about me just not pacing myself very well when I have the worst runs I have are just because I haven't paced it well and I'm too tired to get through it. I touched on my biggest run fail, which was um, doing the London Marathon and thinking it was 40 kilometres. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I, my In the sequence to that, I did the park, the Royal Parks half marathon, and I knew how long it was, so that was good. But I went by, for some reason, I went by the race predictor on my Garmin watch as to what I should be able to do it in. And so I set off at quite a pace not realising that I'm not actually capable of doing whatever it predicted. I think it was like a 143 half marathon. Um, so at the last couple of kilometres were quite painful as my body sort of caught up with my intentions. I just wanted to say, but I think what you're, I think what you're touching on is a really important point. And it's not about, this isn't about a failing thing. It's about, it's really easy when you do race, when you run in a race, but not a race, a kind of organised event, that everyone just darts off at the start. And it's so easy to get caught up. And suddenly you're running at like, you know, 4.55 a, a kilometre or something, and you get to kilometre two, and you're like, can't keep this up, or mm. kilometre three, whatever. And yet, if you run at your a comfortable pace and just let everyone run past you and keep it six or five, whatever you run at, and then by the time you get to 
kilometre two and three, you start overtaking those people that have gone off like the clappers. Yeah. So I think, you know, much as you talk about it as a run fail, I think there's something to come out of that, which is run your own race. Mm. Really don't let everyone else swarming past you. Find someone that runs at your pace, you know, get your own rhythm for the first two or three K, depending how far you're running. And then find someone that you feel is the right kind of pace for you or yeah. just pushing you slightly and keep up with them. How nice of Sam to put a positive spin on our, I don't know what to call it now, the run situation. On our run. absolutely right. So when I did the marathon with Nobby, he always says that he remembers distinctly getting totally swept up with everybody going off at the start. And he said it was only because I was so, you know me, the scientist. <laughs> no, that is not a pace that we can sustain, Nobby. <laughs> Um, he said that's the only reason he didn't go off with everyone and I worry a bit about this on the bike in Vichy because I think I will get I'll be buoyed along thinking oh I I am quite fast on the bike (laughs) going with everyone and then I I think I think when you're drafting on a bike it is a bit different you can go with it but just be just keep a half an eye on your heart rate okay well let's move on to uh, we are drifting back into bike but let's go into the transition area now I have a specific transition fail oh yeah but then I was also going to use this as ever to sort of cover off anything else that we wanted to talk about so and my transition my t1 fail in the sprint triathlon that we did at Eton Dorney was that I hadn't paid attention to the race briefing and which way you go out of t1 Mm -hmm. so I've come in from the swim I've changed into my cleat shoes I've taken I should say taken off my wetsuit we didn't wear one that was a fail (laughs) yeah so um put on my cleat shoes got my bike and then was like oh uh I literally don't know where to go (laughs) so I wasted (laughs) wasted a lot of time just sort of doing pathetic running around the transition area and saying to anyone who'd listen which way is it please (laughs) I have to say everyone was lovely they were like that way that way get going so Mm. it was really nice I don't really have a transition fail, but I love Louise Minchin's one. Didn't she like try and run out of the site out of T2 with, with her helmet? She's so preoccupied with you mustn't like touch your bike because there's specific rules about when you can touch your bike and you've got to have your helmet on and stuff. And I think she tried to run out of the T2 zone with her bike helmet still on. It's all been quite jovial. And I think we need to take a moment. We do need to discuss S-U-S-L. <sighs> um, don't. I'll try. Okay, I'll try. I'll try. Um, SUSL is something that um, I've read extensively about. It's a. It, it's quite difficult to talk about, really. Are you okay to? Talk yeah, about no, I think that? I am. I think I am. When you're training, I think it's particularly common on the bike. Obviously, nutrition is a big part of the bike, and it's the best time to be taking on as much nutrition as you possibly can. People familiar with cycling will know about you have the back pockets on the back of your jersey. Then sometimes you can have little places on the bike where you can keep food and you can obviously have your drinks and stuff. And it's this particular skill to be able to access that food, to unwrap it, to eat it. You've got it whether you, I mean, you and I are very different. I like to eat on the flat or Mm. on a slight downhill. You like to eat going uphill because you're Mm. weak. And what can happen is you start to eat. And, and obviously the preparation that goes into the food that you've packed and you've chosen it very carefully and you've balanced it out and you've worked out you're going to have this at this stage and then this and then this and then this. 
and you can be out on one of those bike rides and you reach for your flapjack and you're unwrapping it and you start to eat it and then you go over a bump and suddenly unexpected snack loss. So just to be clear for the listener, SUSL stands for sudden unexpected snack loss. And it is something that does, yeah, we've both, we have both experienced it. I've experienced it with a banana, half a banana. <laughs> Banana's the worst because you can't really go back and get that. No, I've looked for it. We've been to Swanage a few times <laughs> since that ride and I have looked to see. But it's just something that is quite peculiar to, to cycling or triathlon. And we just wanted to say to you all, you know, if you if you have experienced it, we we understand. We hear you. Know. Yeah. And mm. if anyone's got any stories about that, do let us know. I find it helps to acknowledge it. So just kind of take a moment, mm. maybe let out a little yelp or whelp. Okay. And what would um, that sound like? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Banana. In most cases for me, I suffer from PSUSL, which is partial affected snack loss. Any snack loss is a snack loss. Sam's just pointing out you can also lo- lose a water bottle and that can carry oh. in specific dangers. Nice. Yeah. I do. I'm yeah. so sorry, Sam. And, and it, was, it was more painful for the other people that almost fell off their bikes <laughs> because my water bottle was rolling at a very fast rate of knots backwards. Feeling very Looney Tunes, kind of <laughs> Sam <laughs> rolling these things. Or is it or wacky or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Mario Kart. Full yeah, of oil. Right, I'm going to have to go. So okay. we finish off with our... Um, commitments for this week well mine's very easy because I have been away I'm now going to be punished by being isolated in my flat so my training will involve my imagination (laughs) you're just gonna what you're just gonna imagine it (laughs) yeah well I'm I'm probably gonna only do strength and conditioning and maybe reading my book about swimming well I'd like to give you the good news Mm -hmm. that we are on a recovery week next week (gasps) that's good so whatever you miss you you shouldn't feel too bad about I'm really looking forward to recovery week because it's also show week for me in Brighton so it works well because I'm going to struggle a little bit but what I would quite like to do is I was looking ahead at the plan for the next eight weeks and there's a few more really long rides before the race and I was just starting to think about Charlotte what are you doing I'm trying to say we can go for a bike ride together Right, so that's good. So what what I was going to do is look ahead at when those rides should be and try and plan them so that I've got things to look forward to. So meeting you, riding somewhere, riding to a friend or something so that I know I've got... Because I found I'm really struggling at the moment, not with fitness or not with staying on the bike or anything like that. It's just a bit boring if I'm on yeah, my own. I thought that seeing your bike ride today on Strava, I thought, yeah. good, good on you getting out there on your own and doing all that. Probably good training because on the day it's all going to feel a bit hopefully a bit more buzzy because it will be the day but yeah so that's my my commitment to myself is to sort of look ahead and make some plans um so that I look forward to those rides take a moment for all the snacks that we've lost if we have a minute silence (laughs) let's just take a moment Mm -hmm. um and as I said do get in touch if you have suffered unexpected snack snack loss Mm -hmm. uh, partial full or indeed, as Sam pointed out, water bottle loss. Mm-hmm. It's all, um, these are all issues that we're facing every day. Mm-hmm. So do contact us. 
triumphpodcast at gmail.com. Triumph, T-R-I-O-O-M-P-H. Also on Instagram, we love the gram. We are tri underscore oomph. So at tri underscore oomph on Instagram. I'd like to say thank you to Redmond Bacon, our producer. Thanks, He hasn't insisted that we thank him, but he is very lovely. He has to put up with all this waffle. Has to put up with a lot of waffle and always gets the podcast to us on time. So thank you, Redmond. And I'd like to thank our special guest today. Samantha Bussey. Especially for, for turning our fails on their axis and making turning them into positives i think that's been a good good lesson for us all thank you very much no thank you what do i do now do i press pause stop recording yeah but do you want to say bye to everyone first oh bye squad bye squad thanks for listening <laughs>